Good morning again. Um, again, to those of you who are our guests this morning, I want to thank you for making us a part of your Sunday. We really do hope that you feel at home. Um, I want to introduce our speaker today. Uh, she's more than a speaker. She is a child of this house, a leader in this family. Uh, she is a, a leader in this community as well. Um, Annie McWalter is a CEO, not of one, but two companies. Just throwing it in there. You know, one wasn't enough. Uh, CEO of, uh, of Saika and also of Hope Factory, which Saika Enterprise Development, she corrected that, and Hope Factory, which actually has impacted over 1,500 beneficiaries since its inception. That is absolutely amazing. She has over 20 years of experience in the business uh, in enterprise um, uh, development uh, industry, as well as uh, 20 years experience in the entrepreneurial space. Um, two degrees, one master's, but more importantly, I don't really like reading a lot of CVs because none of that is important to what you're going to hear. Here's what's important. She loves the Lord. She loves the word and she lives the word, and she loves this nation. Today, what you're going to hear is not the stuff, you're not going to hear about masters, you're not going to hear about Saika and its development. You're going to hear principles from the word and how you can apply them in your day-to-day -day life to bring about change in your workplace. You know, God has called us to a particular nine-to-five, and I hope that this series would help you to be empowered to do that. Um, we're gonna introduce her with a brief video from Tony, and after that video, she's gonna come up. So I would like to ask you, as the video ends, could we give a huge hand uh, to uh, uh, Annie as she comes up after the video? Thank you, Tony. Hi, I'm Tony. I just wanna share a testimony about um, applying godly wisdom in my marketplace. So the context of my marketplace is a software sales environment, so working for a multinational, highly driven, lots of pressure, and I'm managing a sales team in, in, in this organization. And so we're getting towards the end of the year, and one of my guys in the team is not quite getting there in terms of making his target, and he's been taking from pillar to post in one of the deals that's really gonna help him um, get over the line. So we're struggling to see what does he need to do next. Uh, some context as well is that that morning when we had been chatting about this with Katie, my wife had really reminded me again about Convergence, which is a book we'd read, which in summary just um, tells us about living our faith and our field being in a converged area where you can't really tell the difference and everything is just intertwined in how you conduct and handle yourself in faith and field. So we have a weekly sales meeting and my team member comes in and I just say to him at the beginning, look, uh, I really sense we need some wisdom here, and I'd like to just pray, pray for us to, to, for wisdom in how to proceed in this deal. And knowing that he didn't profess faith, he was like, okay, cool, sure, let's pray. We've tried everything else. And after praying, just really just got a sense of a real God idea, and I, I shared that idea with him, and we brainstormed it a bit, brainstormed it a bit, and he then went out excited to, to start executing on this idea. I carry on with my day, I've forgotten really what had happened, and as I'm driving home, he calls me and he says, Tony, they signed. And just such excitement in his, in his voice, and he had a throwaway comment at the end of our conversation where he says, this prayer thing really works. 
And that comment had a challenge as well as an encouragement for me. Encouragement in that someone who wouldn't profess faith had a level of faith that was built up in him. And both of us had an undeniable God moment where we can't deny that God had really broken through and spoken in this area. A challenge also in that it led me thinking, what are the opportunities that I'm missing to apply um, godly wisdom in my workplace? And so I want to leave a challenge to you as well and saying, are you standing in the way of your next marketplace miracle? Good morning, family. I want to say it's such a privilege to speak to you today. And I want to say that this is not easy. What our leaders do every single day preparing, um, I really um, went up in my respect um, for just what they do to prepare uh, week after week um, messages for us. But I'm going to share a little bit on... God at work, and we're in this series of, of God in our workplaces. And before we start, I'd like to just pray. Father God, I just pray that there would be words of hope and life today that would encourage people in the challenges that they may be facing in their work or in their lives, in their callings, Lord. We just pray for your truth to come. We pray for revelation of who you have made us to be, who you have called us to be. And Father, I pray that you unlock um, the identity that you have, have given us, Lord, and be glorified through it. And I pray that this will be just a truth that comes through this message this morning. Amen. So I'd like to, to really build on the wonderful foundation that um, Pastor Sai gave us last week where he, he just gave us three areas of that you are gifted for a purpose, that your identity in God um, is, should define who you are, so your identity that God has given you defines who you are in the world, and the quality of your work matters to God. And I thought those were such amazing pillars from which to build this message this morning. Ah, I remember I'm in control of the slides. So this morning I'm going to speak to you today about how to handle conflicts in the workplace with integrity, faith, and courage as a son and daughter of God. And what I want to start off in this morning saying is that I'm not a person who likes conflict at all. I'm sure none of us do. Um, but I grew up in a family where there was a lot of conflict at home. And so I must say that I used to really shy away and be afraid of conflict. And I really feel that the Lord has kind of given me that, that uh, he's taken me through these conflicts and taught me a lot through these conflicts, which I'll share a little bit later this morning. And our anchor scripture is, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So the three things that I'm going to cover this morning are sources of conflict in the workplace, and this is also applicable to the whole of life if, if we're not in a particular workplace. Um, I'm, we're going to be covering sonship and daughtership in handling conflict and stepping stones, or the results of conflict. We're going to be focusing on Daniel 6, and 
what I loved about just studying up about Daniel is just to see this man of incredible excellence. So we know that he's a young man, as Pastor Sice um, said last week, that he was a young man of noble heritage that was exiled into Babylon. And he landed up being 10 times better than any of the other people in that, that area as an administrator. We know that Darius the Mede, he was the third king that da Daniel actually served under. And Daniel, uh, Darius at that time was decided to divide the kingdom into quite a number of provinces, into 120 provinces. And he appointed high officers over each, over each of those provinces. And he chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise these high officers. So Daniel was in this place where he was just about to be promoted. And when we look at his work ethic and what he does, we can see why. He's excellent in all he does. He has great ability. He is faultless in his work. He is faithful. He is always responsible. He's completely trustworthy. He's consistent and he shows honor to all. When you go and read in Daniel, you'll see all of those things listed. And I, I must say, when I, I look at that list, I'm thinking, am I like that in my workplace? Do I do all of those things? Am I excellent in all? Do I have the ability in this work that I'm doing? Can I be said that I am faultless? Am I faithful with what I'm doing? Am I completely trustworthy when someone says, and asked me something, I will do it. Am I consistent? Do I show honor to all? It really challenged me. And I, I think that what it really shows is that Daniel's work is worship. It's worship unto God. There's no difference between our work and our worship every day. And that's one thing that has been such an amazing privilege to serve with Belinda in her worship ministry, is that work is worship and worship is work that we can be excellent, that we can have ability, that we can do things all unto God. So Daniel was really at the place where he was on the verge of promotion. The king wanted to make him oversee all of the administrators. Um, he was about to promote him. So we're gonna cover sources of conflict in the workplace. Just from my observation of those 20 years, I <laughs> can't believe it's been so long, but um, these are some of the things that I've noticed in the workplace. Maybe you have as well. Jealousy, egos, strong egos, gossip, groupthink, or people clubbing together to try to get something their way. I've definitely come across a, a different world system to to, our, to what we believe. Lack of servant leadership, you see that in the workplace today. Lack of honor. Yes, there's definitely been racism, there's been prejudice, there's been sexism, there's been political agendas, backstabbing, power struggles, actually you name it, any sinful behavior. So conflict arises, and I'm talking about this conflict that arises from these things not conflict because we're not doing our, our work well. And what I've noticed is that a lot of these things are actually to do with people's internal worlds that they actually bring to the workplace. 
They bring their, their things to the workplace. And often you can see that those things are linked to identity, to who a person is, who they believe they are. One of the scriptures that Lindy sent me this week, which she felt was relevant, was James 3, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. People don't leave their baggage at home, they bring it with them. And one of the conflicts that I have experienced in my workplace and in my work life, and it's been interesting because it's been the same thing again and again, and you'll find that often you get attacked in the same area. But one of the greatest types of conflicts that I've faced is that of attacks on my character, attacks on my identity as a daughter of the king. And this has happened three, on three separate occasions um, in, in my work life, where I've had people who were reporting to me kind of went past me and went to somebody that I was reporting to and shared things that were untrue, um, slanderous, you know, things that really actually were very hurtful to me as a person. So the first time that it happened, there were these senior leaders behind, under me and they went to, to, as I said, my boss. The first time it happened, I felt completely betrayed. <laughs> I remember um, kind of just feeling really numb, ang angry, quite devastated, and really crushed, because I really felt betrayed by this. And I really felt alone, but did go to God. It took me a while, but I went to God. <laughs> the second time it happened, <laughs> I was actually attending a conference, a church conference, Kingdom Come conference, and there again, there were accusations in the email to the person that I report to. And that time I was actually at this conference, I really felt this peace of God just fighting my battle. I think what also helped at that time is I had a close friend, Terry, and we went through that accusatory mail and we literally calmly replied every single to every single kind of um, accusation in that mail. And as a result of that, um, I was cleared, and effectively the person who had made that accusatory mail eventually left. And then the third time, interesting, same thing. <laughs> Again, someone went to someone who I report to. But this time, less hurt, no longer a trigger. And I just want to encourage those who are in the process of being tested, going through conflict, that the Lord is going to give you the solutions. He's going to give you the way to, to handle every single situation that you face. And just we can rely on His Holy Spirit to give us that peace in, in the time of trial and the wisdom to know what to do. So we're going to look at some of the sources of Daniel's conflict at work. And essentially we start off in, in Daniel 6. And we see that the administrators are, are jealous of him, and they're realizing that Daniel is going to get promoted. Um, they go back to this whole thing of, oh, he's an exile from Judah, a form of prejudice. They start to uh, clamber together, and they go to the king and they say to him, King, we want you to issue a decree 
all of the administrators and the high officers, all of us have agreed, we want you, King Darius, to issue a law that if anyone prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, that they will be thrown into a den of lions. Now, it's so interesting that uh, King Darius would actually even sign this decree. Like, why would he sign this decree? It sounds like such a, you know, we, we kind of notice through Daniel 6 that, that Darius is starting to, to recognize the God of Daniel. But here, he is under group pressure, kind of forced to make this decree. And we'll see later that, Daniel, uh, that Darius is actually quite, he, he's, he's sorry that he does make this, this particular decree. But those were the conflict, sources of conflict that, that led to Daniel's ultimate test, which was now, is Daniel going to pray or not pray? Continue praying. So we'll pick it up in Daniel 6, verse 10 to 14. And I just love the scripture, so I've put it all so that we can read together if you want to follow. I love the New Living Translation, um, kind of how it described it. So Daniel 6, verse 10 to 14. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him of his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of the predicament. So you can see that the king actually hadn't wanted to sign that, but because of the politics and the group and the clubbing together, he had been forced, he kind of gave in to that, that group pressure. Daniel 6, verse 16 to 20. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of the nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. No one could rescue Daniel but God. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel 6:21. Daniel answered, "Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty." The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. 
Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted his God. And that is the God that we serve. That even if we do go into the lion's den, that we will not be harmed. But let's look at how, what we can learn from how Daniel faced this conflict as a son of, son of, of, of God. First of all, he was full of integrity. It said that he read that they had passed this law and immediately after that, he goes and prays. The very thing that he should be afraid to do, he goes and does. Because he will not compromise. He will not be anyone else than who God has made him to be. And he is a man of prayer. So Daniel goes and he prays as usual. There is no hiding. He prays in front of the windows where people can see him. And what is he doing? He's giving thanks to God. Integrity is being who God has called you to be even when it's dangerous. Second thing that he does, he is a son of God who has faith. So he went to God first immediately. You see that he didn't go to the king and try overturn that law. He went to God first. He had faith in the right direction. And he was asking for God's help. It also speaks that he was giving thanks to God. And I've got a picture there of little mustard seeds. Just to remind us that faith doesn't need to be big. It needs to be just the size of a mustard seed. God, help. God, do, please, please protect me. It just needs to be the faith of a mustard seed, our faith. The third thing that Daniel did as a son of God is he showed courage. He did not protest his unfair punishment to the king. Actually says in verse 16 that the king says to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And I always wonder, the Bible doesn't show or describe what happened with Daniel. But what I can imagine is Daniel is like, he is silent, like Jesus was silent before his accusers. He decided he is just gonna trust God. And so even when we're in the lion's den, so could God have prevented Daniel from going to the lion's den? Absolutely, he can. So why do we face suffering at times? I remember very vividly, um, I spent one year in northern India and I was supporting um, a missionary family and the amount of trials that they had gone through in India were just amazing. Um, just the times when they could have lost their kids due to illness, um, all kinds of trials that they had been through. But I remember very vividly Linda saying to me, she really believes there is a purpose for suffering. That yes, suffering is difficult, but there's always a purpose for suffering in God. And that purpose is for greater territory. That purpose is for his glory. That purpose is for, for more authority. So even in the lion's den, we need to face suffering like Jesus faced suffering. Hebrews 13, verse 12 to 14, and it was actually um, read a little bit earlier in the scripture from Malibongwe. 
So as Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood, so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we are not of this world, we are of an eternal home. So even if we don't see the, f- the fullness of what God, we will see it in heaven completely. I think there's some things that are mysteries that we don't understand why we're going through, but know that God is gonna turn it around for his glory. Matthew 10 verse 38 speaks about whoever comes to me and, f- and follows in my steps and be- is willing to share my cross will experience it as his own. Jesus is calling us at times to come in and experience what he experienced, but we know that he was glorified. We know that he rules and we will too. So the stepping stones from conflict, the results of the conflict. Well, we can see in Daniel 6 that it actually led the king to humble himself. He landed up fasting and praying for Daniel when Daniel was in the lion's den. It also led to the king acknowledging Daniel's God. He speaks it very clearly that he says, I know your God. I can see that your God has saved you. He speaks love. Um, I'll, I'll go to that scripture a bit later. So he completely, it, this, it completely overturned the power dynamic. So there, we can see later in Daniel um, 6, that the king then actually throws um, Daniel's enemies into the lion's den themselves, and they are completely eaten. <laughs> even before they, even before they uh, um, hit the ground, the lions attack them. So Daniel's enemies were destroyed as a result of this particular conflict, and it led to the gospel message being proclaimed throughout the world. Let me read you that scripture. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found in him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, the gospel going out. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Look at that result of this conflict. The suffering creates more authority, creates his dominion, creates God's glory. So we also see that Daniel then, from then on, prospers during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. So it is settled, those battles are settled. And my prayer for us this morning is that we will see God settle our battles. 
that he will cement us in the identity and the authority that he has given us. And I felt a key scripture for some of us that are, are going through this time of conflict is Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are, according, are, and are called according to his purpose. I really believe that sometimes the battle is the strongest before we're going to the next level. And there are some of us that are in that battle and just take heart. If it is not good, it's not the end. That's Chris Vallis and I can't steal it from him. But hope in the conflict, this is what I would like to leave, with you, leave you, uh, today with, is that for you to have integrity and courage and faith as a son and daughter of God, that you know who you are, whose you are, that you can face this with his spirit, with integrity, courage, and faith. I also want to leave you that if you're in the lion's den currently, know that God will protect you. He's done it before, he will do it again. And the third thing is that if it's not good right now, know that it is not the end, that God is gonna work all things for the good and for his glory and for your purposes, for your life purposes. So watch and see what he will do. I remember being given a, a, once an encouragement. When we pray to God, his answers are maybe yes or no, maybe not yet, I have something better, or it's watch and see what I will do. And I feel that there's a number of us here that we actually in that fourth quadrant of saying, God, what are you gonna do? So let me pray as I end. Father God, I thank you for who you have called us to be as sons and daughters of the King. I thank you that we are part of your kingdom, that we are meant to rule and reign in righteousness as your son Jesus, that we are of your nobility because you made it possible. It was nothing that we could do. You gave us your life and you have given us your kingdom. And Father, right now, I just pray for those who are going through huge, huge conflict, Lord, going through these huge battles, some of us that are feeling like we're in the lion's den. And Lord, we thank you for your protection. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your courage. We wanna trust you and have faith in you, Lord, because we know that you will be glorified through our lives and through what you do through us, Lord. Thank you that you have called us to our various workplaces to bring your light and your kingdom, that people can see who you are. And Lord, we just thank you that you are going to fight our battles for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.